In this tape, Jim talks about ILM's simple approach to the path of awakening to the divine in each of us. Please note that during the talk, Jim refers a number of times to the seat of the soul, which is a reference to the third eye. A few times when he indicates to this spot, he says, here and this place. When I came into the world, when I was born, which was just 54 years ago now, I had not planned to stay this long. <laughs> I guess most of us didn't. <laughs> As they say, if I would known I was going to live this long, I would have taken better care of this body. <laughs> but actually, when I came in at the age of five, six years old, when I really opened up to spirit and began to, to really know a lot of understanding and awareness of my life as spirit and in spirit. I thought I was going to live to be about the age of 26 because that was my line of destiny. And they actually showed my line of destiny to be the age of 26. And it was at the age of 26, really when I was dying of cancer, that spirit came in and said, there's more to be done. And the one who was going to do it has failed to hold the keys, has failed to to hold to what was to be done, will you stay and complete this for us? And it was very interesting. What had happened was I was in a meditation one, one night, and in the meditation this teacher came in on the inner levels who had passed over. He had been in the physical body for 83 years and had just died three, about two and a half months before. And the keys that he held at the time, a mantle of consciousness of spiritual action in the world that he held, he had it turned over to another person and the person could not hold the energy and had dropped it. And so I had never met this man physically. I didn't know that he had lived physically at the time. But he came to me and he said, will you do this? And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> you know, I don't have to stay here any longer. He said, well, I know that. That's why I'm coming to you, because you could do this. And I go, but I don't want to do this. And he said, well, I just need a, a yes or a no. And I said, well, and I don't know why I didn't just say no, but I said, let me think about it for a month. And so he left. Well, a month went by, and I never gave it much thought. All of a sudden, he shows up. And he goes, well, I'm back for your answer. And I went, oh, shit. <laughs> Literally, I did. And I hadn't even given any thought. I hadn't planned to give an answer. And so my first response was going to be, no, I'm going to say no. And so as I was thinking no inside, another part of me in spirit said yes. And he said, okay, that's it. That's the answer. And uh, we'll take care of everything from here. And he was gone. And I'm going, but wait, wait, I didn't mean that. <laughs> Well, I probably have struggled with that process ever since because there was a part of me that really was looking forward to that which lies beyond this place and that which I know is there for me and for everyone to go to. And so when all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, I'm going to be here a lot longer than I thought, it was a real challenge, and I had to work on my physical body, getting rid of the cancer first. Then I had to 
work on getting my life back together because I had pretty much dismantled it, giving things away and putting my will together and, you know, planning my death, not my life. So I was having to put all the pieces back together. And in doing so, one of the pieces that came forward was a piece that wasn't to be lived into or unfolded or really fully understood until years later. But when I was five years old, I had an experience. And this piece related to that experience. And I'm sharing this with you tonight because Spirit's present to just share this with you that you might understand a little bit more about how this is unfolding and what this is about that we in ILM are doing. When I was five years old, I was just learning about numbers, learning a little bit about addition and nothing really about subtraction and all that as yet. One night, one of the teachers came to me and he took my hand and he, he said, how many fingers do you have? And I said, I got five. And he goes, so let's say each finger represents five. So that's five, 10, 15, 20, 25. And I go, okay. So he said, now, when you've gone through that twice, you have 50. And when you've gone through that twice and you reach 50, you will have come to a place of a new life, of a new pattern, of a new service that you can fulfill if it is part of your life to do. But right now, you are scheduled to leave on the first round. And just at this point is when you're destined to leave. But there's an opportunity that you could stay for another round. And at that point, we will show you what that's about if you do stay that long. So my hope was that I'd only stay for one round. And I, I remember counting the, the, the years off. You know, the first five, the second five, the third five. Well, I had reached the first five, so that was done. So instead of putting my fingers out, I was bringing them in, counting off when I would get to the, the end of the 25th year, because then I knew I could leave in the 26th. So all of a sudden, I realized and I remembered that they'd also talked about the next phase. And I knew that I had other things to do in that 25 years to come, and that in the 26th year of that time, which would be my 51st birthday, that new pictures and new patterns would begin to be revealed. And I'd begin to understand what was to take place. Well, at the age of 26, when this new mantle of authority was given to me by this teacher who was by the name of Hamad Bey, he was from Egypt, one of the pieces was a pie, a piece of a pie, if you will. It wasn't revealed to me fully what it was, but I knew that it had to do with what we are doing now. I knew it had to do with initiation, and I knew it had to do with my 51st year, but I didn't know what it was really going to look like or what was really involved in that piece of the pie. I could see the other, and I knew how to live in that. That was easy for me. That was the counselings, the lectures, the workshops, 
all the activities that I was doing and had been doing since about the age of 11, 12, 13 years old and really began to live more into it at the age of 18. So anyway, at the age of 51, my life truly began to change. And I began to have teachers coming to me and directing me to do certain things inwardly and outwardly to put my life in order once again. Well, the first time a teacher came to me and said, okay, it's time now to put your life in order, the first thing I thought of, oh, 51, I'm going to get out of here. 26, I was going to get out. 51, I'll get out. And I was immediately put on, on notice that I'm not leaving. This is about an expansion, a movement forward in a new way. That's what we are doing now, is moving into the greater fulfillment of this action that I was given at the age of 51, which has to do with initiation, which has to do with the inner awakening. And that which Inner Light Ministries is doing now is really an action that takes place inwardly. It isn't about the outer. It isn't about the world. It isn't about the outer teachings. It's about the inner life, the inner way. We will share with you on the outer about things to help you to understand more about your life physically, emotionally, and mentally. But in truth, what we are here to do is to help you to begin to live the inner life, the spiritual life. To not to awaken to the outer light. You understand the outer light. You live in the outer light all the time. And that's not what we are here to do. That's why we do not call this organization the Outer Light Ministries. <laughs> that would be a good name for a ministry, though. <laughs> we do the Outer Light. That would be an easy one to do. But we do the Inner Light. And why I call it Inner Light Ministries is because the teachers that have come to me since the age of five are the teachers of inner light. They have always guided me towards the inner light, that light that dwells here at the seat of the soul, the divine spark. They have always directed me to go here first, to connect to this place where the true being of who we each are is located. I am here. This is who I am. I am that I am. That is God. This is where God dwells in me, and I dwell in God. I am not this body. I am that I am. And that is true for each and every one of us. And it's that inner light that Inner Light Ministries is about. And the teachers of Inner Light that have worked with me since the age of five have ever guided me and directed me and taken me to classes and taken me into experiences that I might understand inner light in a way that I would live it in the fullness. And they also gave that to me that I might help others find that for themselves. 
I cannot do it for anyone, but I might inspire, I might guide, I might give understanding where there's question and doubt, and assist someone in beginning to sit down and close their eyes and go inside and have true inner experience that they might truly know for themselves who I am. So that they might know and begin to live in that for themselves. But in truth, I nor no one else in this world can do it for you. The only one, the only one that can truly have you have the experience of the inner light and live in the inner light and know the inner light and be the inner light that you are is you. It is up to you. Just as it is up to you to graduate from school, it is up to you to do the work to do that, to get the diploma. It is up to you to do whatever it is you have to do to make your life work. So it is in the inner. It is up to you to do the work. But it isn't really work so much as it is devotion. It's dedication. It's devoting yourself and dedicating yourself to an action of loving, of sitting down and loving God. The soul did not come here into this creation for anything else than to come into the fullness of the knowing of God at this level. So that the God at this level could love all of this creation, but also open up and share that loving knowing with the God of all creation. And to receive the loving from the God of all creation and live in that flow of divine love. We didn't come here to feed the ego, to get physical, emotional, or mental gratification. We came here as divine sparks so that the divine spark that is in us through experience could have greater knowing and understanding of all of creation and as a divine spark in the great knowing, become a greater co-creator with God. But that begins by simply sitting down and closing your eyes and going inside and connecting to the truth, the truth that is, the truth that always is. It never changes. You know, there's a saying, you can pack up your whole household sell your house and move to another country, but your troubles follow you wherever you go. Well, in truth, the divine spark that you are, you cannot separate yourself from. It is you. Even though there is a part of you that is caught up in the mind, in the emotions, in the body, that doesn't believe that. There's a part of you that wants you to believe, no, no, I am the body, I am the mind, I am the emotions. I don't know this thing called soul. I don't know this divine spark thing. I'm not that. So let's just be the body. It wants you to live in this illusion. And it is up to each of us 
to find our way through the illusion and back to the truth, back to the reality of the divine that we are. And that is done by simply sitting down and going inside. It isn't done in workshops. It isn't done in books. It isn't in tapes. It isn't in another person. It is in you. And so Interlight Ministries is here to assist people in coming into the greater knowing of that for themselves. And the pathway that I am here to share and to assist people in walking is an inner pathway. And it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you, the divine spark, and the movement of the Holy Spirit, the action of the Holy Spirit, that is God's loving in action. I might be one who can give you guidance, give you direction, give you understanding, give you clarity of things that you may not yet have. But I don't have anything that you don't already have. That which I have, you already have. There are people in this room tonight that are much wiser than me. There are people in this room tonight that could be sitting here and doing the exact same thing and even greater than I'm doing right here and now. But you have not allowed yourself to open up to that. You're still believing an illusion and not the truth of who you are. The moment you wake up and realize who you truly are as divine, as love in action, that you are the living, loving essence of the Lord, and that's what you are. The moment you wake up to that, you realize that everyone and everything is that. And there is no difference. There is no thing better or lesser in that place of knowing the divine loving. But there are those on the planet that know it in a fuller way. And those that know it in a fuller way, God often directs them to go into the world to begin the process of awakening in others that same knowing. So when I was 51, I was shown that that is my next action, to assist people in this awakening into the inner light. And these teachers, these teachers of the inner light that have worked with me since I was five years old, have continued to work with me day and night. They are present with my eyes open, walking down the street or in a grocery store, or driving down the street, or they're present with me at night as we travel and do things on the inner levels. They're ever present in some form, in some way. Sometimes there's many and sometimes there's one, but they're always there, always present. And so it's up to me to find the way to ever stay focused into the spirit and live the spirit that's present. Not to live in the mind, not to live in the world in the way that separates me from that, but rather to live in the oneness of that, in the fullness of it. And in that fullness, I'm as much a physical being 
with physical needs and wants and desires as anybody else. They're there all the time, just like they are with you. The difference is that I don't put them first, have no other God before me, the I am that I am, the divine spark that I am, have no other gods before me, have no other gods, desire, money, sex, food, anything, all things, do not let them become God before me. And so my focus is ever to keep God first in all that I do and to live from this place that is the divine loving, that is the divine flow. And it's not always easy. This world loves to tempt us into things, to call us into action, into the world of the senses. And so it's ever to stay awake, ever to stay present in the knowing of who we truly are. But until you have woken up into that, how do you do that? If I do not know that I am divine love, if I have not really sat down and experienced this divine spark, then how do I choose into it? How do I live into it? How do I allow it to live into me and into my life so that I do not put other gods before it? How and maybe why is the question you might be asking. The why is something that I would think you will have to answer for yourself. I can't answer that for you. I do know how. I do know how to do it. The why you work on. Why are you here tonight? Why are you not at home watching your favorite TV shows? Or going out to a restaurant and having a good dinner with a bottle of wine? Or why are you not doing something else? What is it that in you has come here looking for an answer to that why? I can't answer the why, but I can answer the how. But the answer that I was given by these teachers of inner light years ago, and the answer that I give to people even today, oftentimes people get annoyed with, angry with, because it's too simple. It's too easy. It doesn't answer all the questions. It just gives an answer. Now, there are different kinds of questions that the mind that the emotions and that the body will rise up inside your consciousness. And those will try to get in the way and separate you from the simplicity. Spirit is simple. God is simple. Life in spirit is simple. It is so, so simple. But the other parts of us are addicted to the complexities of this world. We're addicted to the noise and the sensations and the excitement and the pain and the joy and the gratifications and all that this world can give us. We have become addicted to it at this level. And we're ever looking for more and more to be given 
and more and more to be had. And so when we begin to walk this spiritual life, we begin to find that it's very simple and it doesn't have all these complexities and it doesn't have all the noise and the pull and the push to it. It's quiet and it's easy and it's simple and it's loving and it's forgiving and it's accepting and it's allowing. But it isn't real noisy. It's real quiet. Now, the path that they taught me, the path of the inner, is the path of awakening. Awakening of the divine in each of us. And as I, at the age of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and so on, began to live in first what I called prayer, because at the age of eight, nine, ten, when I was going to Sunday school, nobody talked about meditation. They talked about prayer. And so what they were teaching me, as far as I was concerned, was a prayerful action. I was living a prayer, and I was becoming a living prayer. And it wasn't until the age of 18, when I met my first physical spiritual teacher, that I began to learn about the practice of meditation. And I realized that what I'd been doing all this time as prayer was really meditation. And so I began to realize that what I had been doing as prayer and now was doing as meditation was something that is truly very natural to each of us. It's really, truly a very natural act to do. And the mind and the emotions and the body will get in the way of it because it isn't a natural action for those instruments. It's a natural action for the soul to pray, to meditate. And what I have found is that as soul, the soul automatically wants to go within and focus up into God and just share the loving with God and to open and receive the divine flow of love that God wishes to share with us. But at this level in the physical, the spirit, the soul of who we are, is the weakest. And the physical matter that the soul has attached itself to for experience is stronger. And so oftentimes, that which is the stronger at this level tends to win and dominate and distract the weaker from doing what it really wishes to do. That continues until finally the longing of the soul to connect back into its own divine source, back into that place from which it truly came, becomes stronger and stronger until the soul begins to have greater dominance on these levels of matter and these levels and elements of matter begin to weaken and the soul begins to have a greater influence over the mind, over the emotions and over the body until we can finally discipline ourselves to sit down and close our eyes and go inside. Prayer, meditation, whatever that might be called, 
but to go inside and connect with the truth of who we truly are as soul. But at first, the mind, the emotions in the body, that which is of matter, it is strong and it will ever distract us and call us away. We'll sit down and we'll say, well, I'll just do this for 10 minutes. I know I can do 10 minutes. And we close our eyes, and two minutes later, we're looking at a watch. Oh, I know that was 10 minutes. Three minutes later, we look, God, how long is 10 minutes? <laughs> you know, and we're just ever waiting for time to pass. And all the time that we're doing it, we're not really meditating, we're waiting. And in the waiting, our mind is going on, our emotions are stirring, or our body is saying, well, you know, I'm really hungry, I'm really thirsty, I, we really need to do something here. You know, we, we can do this later. You know, we'll make time later. Let's just do something else right now. Oh, what about coffee? We forgot the coffee this morning. Let's do coffee. You know, that's mine. That's the one that kicks in for me. So sometimes I'll go and I'll have a cup of coffee first. And then I'll meditate. And I find sometimes having the coffee before I meditate actually wakes me up enough, because I do it very early in the morning, that I can go ahead and do my meditation and stay more present and not go to sleep so easily. Because sometimes I will go to sleep. It's just a part of the way the body works and the consciousness works. So the masters of inner light, the teachers of inner light, they showed me that discipline was a key here to begin to allow the soul to have greater dominance, to sit down and give some time to God. Give some time to the God within you to begin to have a sense of beingness here, a time for expression here, a time for the soul in you to come alive, that you might begin to know who you truly are as soul. And so I began to do that every day as a child, my prayerful time. After I would get off from school, I would go home, my mom and dad worked, so I had this whole time to myself before they got home at 5 o'clock, 5.30, that I could spend in my spiritual practice of prayer, of being with God. And so I would get home, and rather than go outside and play and do baseball or whatever everybody else was doing, I would go and pray and give time to God first. And I found that the more I did that, as they directed me to, the more I wanted to do it. Because I began to find a greater peace, a greater loving, a greater sense of, I don't even want to call it purpose, but on purposefulness, than I did when I didn't do it. When I didn't do it, I felt a pain of separation. And I didn't understand what I was separated from, but I felt lonely. I felt separated. And I could go out and I could play with my friends and I could try to connect and I could try to feel a part of, but I still felt separated. And at night then when I would go to bed, I would lay there and I would realize, you know, I didn't do my prayers today. And I would do that. I would sit up and I would start doing my prayers. And as I would do that, I would come into my wholeness. And my wholeness is loving. When I am whole, I am in my loving. That's 
being whole. That's being complete. To live in the divine that you are, to be the loving that you are, is to be whole and complete. And as I was saying earlier, this that I am describing, this inner practice, this inner way, this inner meditation, it is very simple. And for a while, you may begin to practice it. And you may find, wow, this isn't that bad. This is pretty easy. I can do this. But then the complexities begin to call at you once again. And they begin to say, well, we're more important. We've got to get these things done. You're putting things off. What about doing this first? And all of a sudden, you'll set God aside. You'll set your loving aside. And you'll begin to do the world once again. And then wonder why you're living back in your pain, in your separation, in your loneliness, whatever it might be. And you might do that for a day. You might do that for a week. You might do that for a year. You could do that for a lifetime. And maybe not even realize what you've done. But you've set yourself aside once again and made something else more important. So... What I have been shown and directed to do in Interlight Ministries is to share with people a simple way, a simple path, back into the oneness of God, back into the oneness of God within yourself, that you might live in the divine, and then go out and live your life. It doesn't say you have to live monastically. It says live your life fully. And so in living your life fully, it means to live your life. You're here in the physical world to live your life as spirit and to live it fully, to have experience here, to learn what it is to be creative and abundant and prosperous and loving and joyful and peaceful and giving and receiving and forgiving is a prime action in all of this. And I learned that the easy way, the hard way, I learned it. Because I found that if I did not bring forgiveness into every moment of my life and forgive myself and forgive others and forgive myself and forgive others, it was harder for me to live in my loving because there were so many things going on in all the different levels within myself that created separation from my loving, that if I didn't forgive those things all the time, I could get caught on something, and that hook would keep me from going to the centeredness of who I truly am, which is my loving. My loving resides in the centeredness of my being, my spiritual heart, and it lives as a column of presence, a column of love, and it's a column of neutrality, And if I can stay present in that neutrality, I can live ever in my joy. But surrounding that column neutrality is the world of polarity, which is the worlds of karma, all the worlds of karma. And they are ever calling me out to participate. And if I'm not careful, I might choose into it. But now it doesn't matter. I can actually go and I can participate in these karmic patterns and play with them and do them, and that's all fine. And then I can go, okay, well, I'm done with that, and I can go right back to my neutrality. 
and it's all fine. Because I did it through choice, I did it through awareness, and I took my loving in to the action that I was participating in, and I can come back karmic-free, not attached. Karma is attachment. Loving is non-attachment. If you can live your life in non-attachment, not attached to anything, but ever focused on loving and God in you that is loving, then you live free. You live karmic-free. You live a spiritual life on all levels, including the physical. But for most of us, we are still caught up in our attachments. And our attachments are very important to us. And we're ever choosing to protect them, to defend them, to hold them, to keep them. And we make them more important than ourselves. And that's when we are separated from our truth, is when we make the outer more important than the inner. So I have been directed to assist people in coming into the knowing and understanding of that for themselves. And I can say all these words, and they may sound great, and they may sound true, but they're nothing until you sit down and begin to go inside and find out for yourself, is this true? Is this real or not? And to begin to experience for yourself what attachment and non-attachment are, what loving and non-loving is, what neutrality and polarity is in your life, so that you can yourself make a choice as to how you want to live your life and where you want to live it from. Do you want to live it from your body, your emotions, or your mind? Do you want to live it from that place of protecting and holding on to your attachments? Or do you want to live it from that place that is the divine flow of love in you? This pathway of initiation in the path of sound and light, the path of soul transcendence, is a simple path. It's an easy path. Every teacher that has taught it has said much the same thing. It is simple. It is easy. And yet, oftentimes, we'll shy away from the simple and the easy. And we keep choosing into the hard, the complex, the difficult. Because it's familiar. I know how to do it. I've done it before. Well, I deserve this. My life should be painful. I've been bad somewhere. God, God put me in this bad life. I must deserve this. So don't take it away from me right now. So I'm not going to take anything away from you, but I will give to you something, a teaching, a way, an understanding, a direction. And I've also been given the authority to give to you a key, a key of understanding, a key of truth, a key of awakening, a key of loving, and a key of liberation. These keys are the names of God. These keys will awaken you into the truth of who you truly are. Now, I am nothing. It is not about me. It's about the action of the Holy Spirit that takes place in the initiation. It has nothing to do with me. But there's always a need 
for an instrument on any level by which something can take place. If you are in physical need of medical care, you've got to go to a doctor who has been trained in the area you are in need of to receive the benefit of their training and understanding and their healing ability. And they can work with you and they can assist you and they can even inspire you into another place of health where you've been out of balance. But it is also up to you to participate in that action. You have to go to the doctor, you have to go through the process, whatever the doctor is going to put you through, whether it be medication or surgery or therapy, physical, emotional, mental, whatever it might be to bring balance and healing to those areas that are out of balance. And so it is in this case, in this action of spirit, there's got to be an anchor in the world where you can go and receive direction and understanding and guidance, but also to receive something more. And that is the understanding of initiation and then the actual initiation of itself, where the keys to the kingdom that Jesus talked about so many centuries ago when he gave them to Peter. These keys are the names of God that are anchored into your consciousness at the time of initiation by the Holy Spirit. Not by man, but by God. It is an inner action, and it is God's action with you. It is God's way of connecting back to the divine that is God in you, and to begin to give a direct access back to the divine seat from which you came, so now, so you go. The guidance, the direction, the action is there. And it's between you and God. But there has to be someone in this level who can give these things to you. And so that is what I am here to assist in doing. The action of initiation is what your soul came into this world to do. And ultimately, this pathway, or a pathway like it, is a pathway that your soul will ultimately choose into for the greater awakening. Now that doesn't make the path of sound and light the only way. There's all kinds of ways back to awakening. But ultimately, they all lead to one place, and that is the Holy Spirit and the action of the Holy Spirit. They all lead back to the one. If you look at the seed or the seed of every religion, you will find at the very center of every major religion the one truth, the one way, the one practice. And when those were truly alive, that which they lived in and through was not a religion, but a spiritual practice, a spiritual path, a living path. And those practices are one and the same. Everywhere you look, you hear in all the major religions, in the Judaic, in the Christian, in the Islamic, in the Hindu, 
in the Zoroasterism, they talk about the names of God, the sounds of God, the sounds of creation, the sound of the universe, the unspoken word, the word, the word made flesh. They have all these different references, all pointing back to the one. So you have at the very seat of all religions, the seed of truth. But once that which is the holder of that truth dies and no one else picks it up, what happens is mythology and tradition begin to build around the truth and now you have man-made religion. All these different traditions that are out here that we practice in truth are outer practices. You might call them the ways of the outer light. They are ever taking us to a temple, to a church, to a mountain, to a river, to something in the world to perform, to do, to be a part of. But ultimately, they also lead to one place. And that one place that they lead to is the truth of all of them which is the divine, which is the creator, which is the Holy Spirit. And that truth then leads you upward on the one path, the path that is inward, the path that connects you back into the truth of who you truly are. And that is the path of sound and light. These paths down here are the paths of light. They are the way of light. And they serve us very well as long as they serve us. But there are times when we grow to a place where they no longer serve us and we begin to look for something else. I remember talking, well, one way I can describe it is when I was 18 years old, these masters of inner light came to me and one of the first things they wanted me to do was to begin to counsel people and to help them to understand the spiritual way, the true way back home to God. They said, for me to go out and to just make myself available and vulnerable to people and to give them understanding of what the difference is between the religion, the psychic, and the spiritual way. Because a lot of people had left religion and gone into the psychic thinking that they were living a greater spiritual action beyond religion, and that they were now on a religious, spiritual path back home to God, called the psychic. And in truth, they were just doing another outer practice of light. So what they wanted me to do at the age of 18 was begin to give people understanding, definition of these different actions, these different practices, that they might truly choose into a place that they are truly looking for. If they are looking for religion, to do that. If they are looking for the psychic, to do that and understand what they're doing. If they're looking for another thing called spirit, then there's another place to go besides the psychic to truly awaken into the spirit. And that is this inner way, this true way that wakes you up to the divine. And that is the path of sound and light not just light. So by sitting down and going inside and connecting to this place, you can begin to have 
inner experience, inner awakening, inner knowing. But by having the keys to the kingdom, you have access not only to this place at the seat of the soul, but you have access to all the levels of creation up to the realms of soul and can begin to truly have inner and outer experience in spirit to know the divine that you are on all levels of creation and to know your truth, to know the truth of who you truly are as the divine loving instrument of God. In the keys of the kingdom, these names of God that are given in initiation are just that. They are the keys that allow you to go into the inner kingdom and they give you permission, they give you access to the different realms of experience, into the astral, the creative imagination, into the emotional, which is the causal, the mental, the mind, the etheric, the unconscious, and up into soul. These keys are the names of the lords of each of those levels. And when you know the name of the Lord of that level, the Lord of that level looks at you and goes, come on in, you have free reign here. Go do what you will here. Work yourself free here. And then you go into that level and you just love it. You love all of yourself that is on that level. And you love all that you've done on that level. You love it into non-existence. You love it into harmony. You love it into peace. You love it until it now no longer holds you as an attachment to be done, to be complete, to be forgiven, to be released. And you are then free on that level to go up to the next and to free yourself there. And then up to the next until finally one day you wake up and you are in soul. And you wake up as your own soul and know yourself to be the divine that you are. And Interlight Ministries is here to assist in doing that. We are not here to raise money. We are not here to have a lot of different kinds of workshops and degrees in the outer. We are here to remind you to go inside and to create the space where you might do that. To begin tithing to God, that which is God's. Well, what is God's? Well, not my dollar bills. That which is God's is my soul. God wants me to tithe 10% of my day that I might connect back to the divine that I am and share in that 10% of time with God my loving and receive God's loving that I might live in that divine flow. Tithing 10% of the day are two hours and 24 minutes, two hours and a half to God every day in prayer and meditation, whatever you want to call it. In this practice of chanting God's name and awakening to the inner divine that you are and living that more each day. When I was talking one time, an inner teacher came in and began to share. And in that sharing, I said something that upset some people in the group because I said that God was really not a personal God. God does not really look 
at us and get caught up in our personal daily lives. God is impersonal and not personal. God is the most loving parent that we could ever have. But God is also so loving that he will allow us to do whatever we want to do with our creative ability to create heaven or hell, to create joy or pain. And in that impersonal way, God will allow us to do it all and to live in separation and to live in anger and to live in sorrow and to live in whatever so that the soul in us can ultimately come into the fullness of its own creative ability and do that in a loving way and to be able to create in loving. And it's hard sometimes to think that God will allow us to create and to live in our own creations that are painful and separation and anxiety and fear. But yet the divine in us will allow just that so that that which is the soul will come into the fullness. I don't even know if I can explain that in the way that you might really grasp what I'm saying. But hold the understanding that God is impersonal. Don't try to personalize God. Allow God to be the loving in your life and to live as the loving in your life because that's what God is. And if you will just invite that loving into your daily life, and ask that loving that is God to go before you in everything that you do. God will do that, but you have to ask. God will not impose himself. In that impersonal way, God will not impose. The personal will impose. When I'm in my personal nature, I will impose myself on somebody. I can impose my will. I can go, well, no, no, you don't understand. You're doing it wrong. Don't you know? And there's a part of me that is ever having to work with that part and bring myself back to the impersonal and allow each and every person to live their life the way they want to live it. Even though I can see them walking right out to the end of the plank and I can see the crocodiles swimming around the water going, come on, jump, jump, fall in. It's not for me to say, hey, you know, that walkway is very short and the fall is pretty painful. It's not for me to say unless they say, you know, is this really the way? Is this really going to take me where I want to go? And then I might be able to say something. But even then, that which is the divine love inside may say, nope, them fall off the plank. That's where their lesson is. And so I let them walk out to the end of the plank and I let them fall in because I don't say anything. I don't give a warning even though I see it. And then they turn to me and go, Jim, I asked you. You didn't say a thing. Why did you let me fall into the crocodiles and get eaten? I go, because that's where you needed to be. And then they get mad at me and they walk away upset because I didn't save them. Well, that's not my role. And that's not God's role. God's role is not to save you. You're to save yourself. You're your own salvation. No one can save you but you. A lot of people in the world today 
are going around, and forgive me for saying it this way, but this is the truth as I understand it. A lot of people go around today believing that if they just speak the name of Jesus, that they will be saved, that that's their salvation. That isn't their salvation. He did not say he was their salvation. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says that I am the way. He didn't say, I am Jesus. He said, I am that I know that is God in me. I am is the way. I am is the life. I am is the truth. And he was talking to people that were initiates who knew this pathway. And he was telling them that I am is the way home to God, to connect here and to walk the inner path. But if we do not understand and we begin to look at these teachings and take them literally, we then begin to interpret them and have a different meaning fully. And all of a sudden it isn't God, it is man who is our salvation. Jesus nor no man is your salvation. No man is your savior. No woman is your savior. You are your own salvation. And it is up to you to save yourself. And that restoration is a process that I have been talking about tonight, which is the meditation. Jesus came in and lived a life of full example. From birth to death, to resurrection, to ascension. He lived an example of what the Spirit is and how to live as the Spirit. The cave of birth is here. This is the place of nativity where the Christ is born. And this is the place where at death we return. And it is up to us to resurrect from this place and to ascend from this place back to the Father, as Jesus said. It wasn't about the body, and it wasn't about the man. It was about you and about your soul. Be born again in the Spirit. Be born the Christ that you are in the place of nativity. And die the little death daily. Return to that place that is the cave where your body is to reside at death. Return to this place, die the little death daily, and resurrect yourself, and ascend to the Father in meditation. You are your Savior and no one else. So if you have a teacher in the world that you think of as your Savior, think again. They cannot save you. If they could, they would. But I can truly say that no man, no woman in this world is your salvation. Your soul knows the way home, but it needs the map. It needs the light, the inner light given to it once again, that it might walk that road back home. This is a way to receive the map. This is the way to receive the inner light. The Holy Spirit is the way and the truth and the life. 
And that shows up as the sound and the light inside. By hearing the voice of God, that still small voice, by hearing the sounds of the universe of creation, the first spoken word of God, coming back into your consciousness and calling you home on the inner levels and you following that call, you are united back into God and you begin to live your life in love, in joy, in peace. Now, it's interesting. There are those that have been initiated on this path already. And some of them automatically think, oh, well, now life is going to be milk and honey. It's all going to be roses and gardens and wonder and beauty, right? Not really. <laughs> because guess what you're going to meet? You're going to have to deal with all of your past creations, all of your junk, all of your hell, all of your pain, all of your sorrow, all of your separation is going to come back up to you and go, Hi, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> now what do you want to do with me? We have to confront ourselves on all the levels, just as we are, and love it and forgive it and accept it and heal it and release it into God's love. And as we do, we begin to find a greater freedom. But at first, it may not be all that wonderful. But if you will walk this path continually, day after day after day, you will find eventually, if not immediately, eventually, all these things dropping away. And they drop away because you are moving up in frequency. You are moving up into loving. You are moving up and living from the seat of the soul. And all those things that are not in harmony with who you are as the divine love drops away, melts away, falls away because it cannot remain in that place of loving. And it is up to you then to let go of it. That's non-attachment. And I'll tell you what, some of those things that you think you want to get rid of, when you start seeing it fall away, you'll go, well, wait, wait, I don't know if I want to let go of that yet. I kind of like that. That's kind of fun. And, oh, well, yeah, well, I could let that go. But, oh, I don't know about, well, that part of it I like. You know, you can't let part of it go. It's either all or nothing. And you have to be willing just to let it go and be in the nothingness and live in the nothingness and find that in the nothingness is the all that you've been longing for, which is loving. But it is quiet and it is simple and it is peaceful. And for a while it's wonderful. And then all of a sudden karma starts calling. Some undone karma comes in. Ooh, that person looks good. Hmm, wonder if they're taken. And all of a sudden, the noise of the world, the desires of the world, start calling us out once again. And it's up to us to live in the neutrality. Now, there may be something in the world that we may need to go and fulfill, and that's fine, but you do it from the centeredness of who you are, and you move 
from that centeredness, you don't give up your power to it. You maintain the power of loving and you live in the power of loving as you move into that. That's how you live non-attached. And that's how you live karmic-free. And you can go and free yourself of that karma and watch it fall away and then you just choose back into the loving fully and move on into the fullness of your life again. So, as we move into Inner Light Ministries, we move into a way of simplicity. When Brian and I were in this process, and Brian was helping me so much to step into this, because I have run away from this, and I'm still running away from it. You don't know how many times there have been days and days where I just want to go, God, do I really have to do this? I don't want to do this. Please let somebody else do this. Find them quick. Get them here. You know, I'll give it to them. I'll walk away. They can have it. Because it is a challenge. When you hold a light like this, the world wants it, but the world also attacks it. The greater the light, the greater the attack. And I tell you what, I'm not one who likes the pain of attack. I do not enjoy it. It's painful. It hurts. It goes inside. And I ever have to look at it and just say, I love you, I love you, I love you. I love the source of it. I love the purpose of it. I love you as you are. And I just let it go. I let it go. And yet, at the same time, there's this part of me that goes, see, I told you I didn't want to do this. <laughs> you know, and this is why I put it off as long as I did. I just know that I'm going to do my part. And I know Brian is ever assisting me in to do that. He's ever helping me to choose back into doing that. And that's part of the reason why he's come forward in this action. Because he's ever telling me, wake up, stop it, keep going forward. Don't you? <laughs> Maybe not in those words, but he's always doing it. He does it in a prod and a tickle, a push, <laughs> a talk. And it gets me going. It keeps me moving forward. So there may be times where you'll see me kind of hesitate. You may see me up here sometimes not really quite ready or wanting to do this, but I will always do it. I will do it because the moment I start doing it, the moment I give up and give in to this movement of love, that's the only place I want to be in. But I have my resistance too as all of us do. So, for those of you that have not been here to hear about the path of initiation, the path that we are doing, there's a tape called The Path of Sound and Light that gives a, a lot of understanding and meaning behind what I've talked about tonight and even more so. If you're interested in this path, I'm always available, unless we're traveling, to share more about it with you. If you are interested, there are two requirements that are on the physical and one on the inner. One, we ask no alcohol. The other is that we ask that you, boy, my mind is blank. No, no recreational drugs. Boy, I've never done recreational drugs, so it's always out of my mind. And I used to do alcohol, so I could remember that. <laughs> but no recreational drugs, it's just like, what is that? <laughs> And then two and a half hours, working up to two and a half hours of meditation a day. 
Now, when I say that, people go, oh, my God, I can't do two and a half hours of meditation. I know that. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm inviting you to look at two and a half hours and do what you can. And if you find yourself expanding and opening to more and more time, you may find yourself someday at two and a half hours. And I can tell you this. It's not about the length of time. It is about doing the practice. And in doing the practice, if you do it and you begin to really open up and have the inner experience, you'll want to give it more time because you'll find that the more time you give it, the more you will have on the inner as experience. But sometimes it may take you two hours of sitting and chanting and holding a focus before finally everything inside becomes still and you can then pop out for a moment and have this moment of wonder and grandeur and spirit and then come back. And then you'll look and go, wow, two hours, two and a half hours, it was worth it for that moment in spirit. Because that is where you begin to connect into the truth of who you are, into the life that is life itself. And you begin to drink of that living water that nourishes you and quenches the thirst for love, for joy. So we do ask for two and a half hours. And we ask that if you're interested to write a letter of intention to Interlight Ministries, to myself, stating that you would like to be initiated, work towards initiation. And then we ask for you to begin. We'll give you direction on chanting the hue and the anti-hue for a year, reading books, doing tapes, whatever works for you, coming to class if that's available. And then within the year or about that time, we'll look at initiation. And if I haven't approached you, I ask you to approach me at the end of that year and let's talk about whether it's time or not for initiation then.